are back here on the IndyCar Show, BurnoutSports.com. It is race week for the NTT IndyCar Series St. Pete coming up on Sunday. Tony Donahue alongside of Luke Edwards. Luke, uh, happy race week, man. We finally made it. It's been kind of a long offseason, but here we are ready to go for 2022. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to see him on the streets of St. Pete. Always a great landmark of uh, spring finally coming. Uh, we even got some nice weather in Indy this week to kind of uh, get us more in the mood. Um, but, man, St. Pete never disappoints. Yeah, and there's a lot of storylines going in. Uh, obviously, the offseason, there's been a lot of change that we will discuss. Uh, but a big change for you, uh, you're finally on Twitter. Yeah, uh, so go follow my handle, at Luke Edwards Indy. Um, I'm, I'm not going to be like Kanye, so it won't be that crazy, but I'll definitely be live during all the races. You can tweet at me. You can tweet what you hate about what I post. Um, and you're going to see a lot of museum stuff on there too, because I'm obviously doing all the museum content, um, for IMS museum, but yeah, I've held out for long enough and now I'm officially in that realm. Well, this is episode three of the IndyCar Show. If you missed episode two, it was my conversation with Mark Jaynes from the IMS Radio Network. He'll be the anchor on the call this Sunday when the green flag flies just after 1230 from the streets of St. Petersburg, Florida. We'll have you covered Burnout Sports, all of our social media handles, and burnoutsports.com. Luke, let's dive right into it. There are so many different things to talk about to start the season, whether it's the rookie class, whether it's Jimmy Johnson and Roman Grosjean going full-time that we've talked about. Can Alex Pillow defend his championship? Colton Herta won here last year. There seems to be a pattern when it comes to that. But but just off the top of your head, what are some of the top storylines that you're looking forward to most as we go into this Sunday's race? Well, I think Maya Shank Racing, um, you had both of them in your, in your power top 10. Um, just the two of those guys, Pagano and Elio Castroneves, reuniting again. Um, we know that they have a strong bond outside of the car. Um, I, I think you just have a lot of momentum there. You've got a fresh start for Pagano, who we've seen overcome adversity before in 2019, sweeping the month of May for Roger Penske when all the talk was surrounding him losing that ride. Um, now he's going over to the team with the defending Indy 500 winner, four-time Indianapolis 500 champion, uh, Elio Castroneves. I think the two of those are going to put a lot of work in. We've seen the work that Harvey has put into that team the last few years, helping build them. I think he left them off in a good place. That engineering room is going to be stacked. You have two veterans in the series that are going to be trading back and forth and full focus on both of them. So, they're not going to be spread quite as thin as maybe we've seen some other relatively big teams in the past few years with some of these young guys that they're trying to groom. Yeah, and, and a lot of people have said, well, maybe you're putting the cart before the horse when it comes to Meyer Shank because, yeah, they have two drivers that are capable. Obviously, Elio won the 500 last year, but they really haven't put a full season together with Jack Harvey. Uh, but, look, it's, it's difficult to win the 500 in any circumstances. I think it's super difficult to win it when you're quote-unquote a part-time team, uh, which that 06 car was last year. So, yes, my high expectations are there for Meyer Shank Racing, and I think they're going to get – I mean, you, you look at you look at what Pagano has done. He's been super consistent at St. Pete, so I think that that whole team, uh, both the 60 and the 06, get off to great starts at St. Petersburg, Florida, coming up on Sunday. Some other new faces, uh, as you mentioned, Jack Harvey, now with Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan Racing. 
Um, he's joined by Christian Lungard as a rookie. So you got two newcomers to join Graham Rahal on that team. Um, Graham Rahal, as we know, won there back in 2008. Uh, anybody, I mean, obviously, I think the biggest one is Roman Grosjean and the DHL Honda. Seeing him and what he can do with the Andretti Autosport, we saw how good he was in what most people would say not the top tier equipment as we know, maybe middle of the pack equipment, and he still had a pole and a couple podiums. But uh, I know that you are excited to see what that number 28 DHL Honda can do this year. Yeah, I've gotten to spend a little bit of time with Roman just here and there while he was testing out at the track at the Speedway. Um, I love his energy. You know, it, I think that is probably one of the biggest stories alongside Jimmy Johnson coming over full time. He obviously ran these races last year, but um, Mark James on the show the other day summed it up best. Uh, a seven time cup champion wouldn't be coming here if he didn't think that there was more to be done, that there were better results and that potential in the team. Um, that team is stacked, but for me personally, that 28 DHL car is going to be so interesting because we saw what he could do. We saw the two podium finishes. We saw his oval debut, uh, Grosjean's at Gateway. Um, he obviously had a strong debut there, even though the finish, the, the, the actual result, I think 14th wasn't there, but we saw him drive through the field on a couple of occasions. Um, so what can he do with an established team and a solid sponsorship behind him. It's going to be interesting to honestly compare and contrast that to Dale Coyne. It's going to kind of show us what potential Dale Coyne truly has, I think, and where Andretti is. Um, we've seen a lot of results from their number one driver, which I think would be Colton Herta now. Now you've got uh, Indy 500 champion. You've got a Formula One prospect and a Formula One veteran. Um, one of the things that jumps out, I have Roman Grosjean, up in my top 10 uh, of power rankings. Mm -hmm. People tend to forget uh, that in 2012, he had three podiums in Formula One for Team Lotus. And in 2013, he had six podiums. So he was a regular in that top three in 2013. Uh, he he was really the only one that was showing speed in, in comparison to the uh, Red Bulls before they left the V8 um, and went to the V6s in which the uh, the Turbo R has been dominated by Mercedes and Red Bull snuck one in last year. But let's not forget about his Formula One prowess. And I think he kind of surprised a lot of people because it was almost a decade later last year. That's what I'm going to be paying attention to. And what I've noticed, maybe not St. Pete or the street courses as much, but a place like Alabama or the road course, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, it's a very European feel. So some of these drivers that, you know, cut their teeth in F3 or, you know, overseas growing up in Europe, these tracks and these courses are very similar. So that's why I think when you look at the field as a whole and how healthy it is, look, do I think Colm Eilat's going to win a race this year or Christian Lungard? Probably not. But I think that the gap is closer than what people think, because even though some of these drivers are going to these tracks for the first time, it's a, it's a series dominated by road courses and street courses. And, you know, a lot of these guys that are used to these European-type courses that have these sweeping turns and these fast straightaways and these major braking zones, that, that bodes well, and it kind of boils over to being good at a place like Gateway where braking is, 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 is key um, and having as much max speed on the straightaways as possible. So maybe bury the lead a little bit here, Luke. But let's do some predictions for this weekend's race at St. Petersburg. Give me your winner of the race. 
Give me a sleeper slash dark horse to maybe not win, but maybe finish on the podium. And give me your rookie of the race as we kick things off coming up on Sunday. All right. Well, let me start off with the rookie of the race. I'm going to go with Kyle Kirkwood with Foyt. Um, I, I've seen what he can do in an Indy Lights car. I think he's going to be strong and he's got a lot to prove because there was so much talk about him possibly going to that Andretti seat before the final deals were signed. Um, Dark Horse, man, that, that is tough because there's been so much shakeup. My instinct is to go with Jack Harvey in the high V mm-hmm. ride in the number 45. And I think your winner is going to be Joseph Newgarden. Um, you've seen Penske kind of downsize. I don't think that Roger's ever done anything that doesn't have a proven result, especially making a big move like that, whether it's expanding to four cars, only running two cars. He just went from four to three. Um, now you've got all your focus on on McLaughlin, New Garden, two-time champion, Will Power, Indy 500 winner and champion. So New Garden's my number Real one quick, pick. Uh, since you just brought him up, do you feel like McLaughlin is under the radar this year? Is it a proving year for him? Uh, I know we kind of mentioned this on the, on, on the opening show, uh, but he's kind of a guy that almost gets lost in the shuffle a little bit when you talk about drivers that can contend for wins, yet he's still in a Penske car, and now he's got the experience. Is this kind of a make-or-break season for that team? Yeah, he, you know, he's in my top 10 for sure as well. Um, he had a great showing at Texas. That's a really tough track. And he had fourth place at Gateway. So he's showing up on the ovals, which was the big question for him. Um, I know he had some tutoring under Rocket Rick Mears. I think now it's his time to get his footing with this car on a road course, which is what he's native to. He comes from street courses. He comes from road courses. These new indie cars, this current era, they can kind of be rough and tumble with each other, drive with the elbows out a little bit, get into each other. Very similar from the racing that he comes from. Um, I agree that it's a make or break year, but I would put him as a season long dark horse. I think that he's going to surprise some people and adjust his, uh, his driving style to suit this style of car a little bit better. Yeah, for me, it's, it's really hard for me to pick anybody but Colton Herta this weekend. I mean, he's been so good uh, on the street courses. Obviously, he won St. Pete last season. I'm, I'm kind of in tow with him and, and maybe taking Grosjean as the winner, but I'm going to go with Colton Herta, um, a guy that has been able to get it done, as we know, had a great end to last season, I had a great run at St. Pete, as we know as well. So give me Colton Hurd of the win. My dark horse, I'm going to go with Connor Daly, and I'm I'm not doing that because, oh, well, you're a fan of his. No, I mean, I think that he's been really good on street courses. Remember, he did really well uh, at Detroit a few years back at a Dale Coyne car, and now I just feel like maybe he's a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more laid back. Like, I'm in this car for the next two years. Now let's go out and just focus on this weekend's race. So I think the car and the engineering is capable of getting it done. I mean, you could put Marinus VK in there as well, but, but give me Connor Daly. And then for the rookie, I'm going to go with Devlin D Francesco. And here's why look, Andretti's been really good here. And I think that there's been a lot of, um, I don't know if hates the word, but harsh criticism of Devlin and how Kyle Kirkwood should have got that ride over him. Well, sometimes it's not about results from lights last year. It's just kind of, the way they built him up, and this is what George Steinbrenner and Michael Andretti wanted to do. So uh, I think Devlin's going to have a, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be top five, but 
you know, at the end of the day, if you look down and Devlin's ninth, I'd be like, all right, that's a hell of a run. And you'll take that uh, nine out of 10 times to open up in your first ever IndyCar start. Let's do some season long predictions here. Uh, and, and and we can change these, but beginning of the year, just in case we are right about something, we can have this to go back and say, look at us. Boom. We knocked it out of the park. So give me your series champion, your Indy 500 winner, your series rookie of the year, your Indy 500 rookie of the year, and then how many different winners you think we'll see and how many first-time winners you think we'll see. I know it's a lot, but I think we might be able to nail a few of these. Well, I think you're going to see one first-time winner, and that's going to be uh, Jack Harvey. Um, as whoa, far whoa, whoa, as hold series on. Champ- hold on, hold on. <laughs> Let me stop you there. You've talked how great Grosjean is going to be this year, and you're not picking him to win? Okay, you're right. You're right. Let's throw in two. Let's throw in two. All right. So we'll have the two of them. (laughs) You you caught me on that one. Um, No, I did miss out on on Grosjean, but absolutely, those two I think are going to close the deal. I think McLaughlin's going to get some podiums for sure. I don't know about a win. So if, if we're talking bets here, I'm betting on those two. Um, I think your series champion should be and will be Colton Herta. Um, I don't have him first in my power rankings just because of the DNFs. He had three wins, Mm -hmm. four DNFs. You eliminate those DNFs, there's your series champion right there. Um, So I'm definitely picking him for overall series champion. I think you can always bet on him. Look at some of the DNFs that he did have. He was actually leading. Um, He was dominating in Nashville before he caught the wall. Um, Indy 500 is always a toss-up. I know this sounds easy, but I'm going to go with Scott Dixon. I feel like mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just he's gone too many races without winning it. It's astonishing that he's only had one win there, and it was all the way back in 2008. Um, I think it's just a matter of time. You can only keep him out of the fray of that top three for so long. And I think if he's in that top three with 10 laps to go this year with all the information surrounding that team, all the uh, experience in the cockpit between their drivers easily has a car capable of winning. I could see a one, two with him and Pelot easily. Um, you know, rookie of the year. We, I almost want to hear your thoughts on that first. Cause I really don't know. Yeah, it's tough. Um, I think Christian Lungard is going to have a, a great year. I was very impressed when he qualified fourth at the road course at Indianapolis motor speedway kind of held his own. I know that the sexy pick is going to be Kyle Kirkwood, but until his talent is equal to the car, or if the car's talent, if the car is equal to his talent, then I would take him. But I'm not sure that the Foyt car is there yet. I'm not sure because you're bringing in Tatiana Calderon on the road courses, who has no experience. Dalton Kellett rarely sniffs a top 15. So I can't take Kyle Kirkwood just off the fact that I don't know that Foyt is going to put a car underneath him capable of doing that. And when that when when you when you feel that as a driver, that your talent is better than what you're given underneath you, you tend to start pushing and you tend to start overdriving the car, and that leads to mistakes. And we've seen how many mistakes have happened on places like Nashville or St. Petersburg, where it is there is a lot of areas of that race course that are slim margin for error. So uh, my rookie of the year, I'm going to go with from Ray Hall, Lanigan Racing and Christian Lungard. 
That's that's a good pick. I mean, it's hard to go against that. Like you said, Kyle Kirkwood is kind of the sexy pick, but I could see it being a De Francesca. I could see it being a, a Malukas too. Um, you've just got such a strong rookie class coming in. It's going to be hard to tell who has momentum. I think before we get to Indy, but with Indy being double points, um, look yeah. for somebody that's got a team that can set up an oval. So that's where I lean towards Andretti, Team Andretti's rookie. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I think Devlin's got a lot to prove. I wrote about the, about it on the Andretti preview. Uh, my series champion, I'm going to go with Scott Dixon. And I know he was left off the defy everything promo from IndyCar, but this guy still isn't going <laughs> anywhere. He's going to he's gonna definitely win a race or two like he always does. I think he's done it for, what, 16 consecutive seasons, maybe 17. Um, I think if he leads 75 laps in this year's Indianapolis 500, he becomes the all-time leader for laps led. Um, and, and like you said, you have to have a good 500. You have to finish top five. He knows how to do that. He's had some bad luck the last two goings at the 500, but uh, I don't know if he's going to win the 500, but I, but I'm, I'm, I'm certainly for sure that he's going to finish in top 10 at the 500 and even a top five for sure, which kind of propels you to the points championship. I'm going to stick with Simon Pagano winning the Indianapolis 500. I just think that a team is capable of doing it. Simon's hungry. Simon can still get it done. And at the end of the day, we talked about this, and I wrote about this. It's an old man's race. Like you, you take out Alexander Rossi winning back in 2016 at the age of 24, and I think everybody since has been, at least in the 2010s, has been over the age of 34 or 35. I think Simon was 34 or 35 when he won the 500 back in 2019. So it's an old man's race, quote unquote. Um, you know, different race winners. I, I think Harvey is going to get it done. I could see him winning at Portland, maybe at the road course, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, a track where you get two opportunities at it. I think Grosjean's capable of winning everywhere. I mean, Iowa is going to be a place that I think he is going to thrive at, just like he did at Gateway last year. Um, Iowa is just kind of a step on that gas pedal and, and hope nobody gets in your way. And we know how good that 28 car has been there over the last, you know, eight to 10 years and how many times Ryan Hunter Ray won. So um, all in all, I think to sum up your predictions and my predictions is we don't know because the competition level <laughs> is so great right now um, from the rookies to Jimmy Johnson, to Grosjean, to Scott Dixon, Joseph Newgarden, Colton Herta, Alexander. I mean, you, I could just name them all. Pato Award. I mean, it's just, you know, when we talked about this too, there's 15 to 18 drivers. I think that are, that are really capable of putting together an Indianapolis 500 win. Um, as I mentioned, IndyCar six with the defy everything slogan, um, cool campaign. They kind of launched it last year. I get it. Um, it's, it's, I, I read a quote defying that. I mean, it's look, these guys do things that we will never be able to do. And that's what makes them, you know, on a, on a much better level than what we are. You know, I can't drive a go-kart worth of crap. And if you put me in a car at 225, I'm probably hitting the wall in turn one. Um, <laughs> your thoughts on just that whole, um, you know, IndyCar has taken a lot of flack over the last couple of years for social media and lack of content. Um, but it seems this offseason they've really taken steps forward to improve that heading into this season. Yeah, um, you know, it's easy to pick things apart, especially as close as we are to the series. Uh, I think it's a step in the right direction. Uh, the only qualm that I have with it is what are we defying? Um, 
I think that it's kind of hard to box a series up into a slogan. I certainly wouldn't want to be the one that comes up with it every single year. Um, yeah, why did you leave Scott Dixon out? I wonder if they did that just to <laughs> just to create some stir and get people up in arms about it. But um, I think, you know, one of the questions that we need to ask is, does IndyCar have an identity crisis? And what are the steps that they can take if there is one to start either improving it if they don't or handling it if they do? Um, I found it very interesting to watch some of the Formula One docuseries and watching it with people who don't give a shit about racing. I think it's one of the best things you can do if you have an interest in the sport is see what people don't like or see what people find boring. And one of the things that it feels like we don't really have access to is who the individuals are. Um, I was watching it with a few friends the other night and the first time they perked their heads up and actually paid attention was when they were showing the drivers surfing. They were showing one of the Formula One drivers surfing and, and kind of having a relaxing day. And they're like, oh, now I get to see some identity. Um, yeah. So I think, I think a possible identity crisis is down to individual identity. Who are these guys? You know, you, you used to have the strong personalities of, um, in NASCAR. And then IndyCar, during the early IRL days, kind of branded themselves as this wild brash. We're the only people that do this. All the oval racing, all the the wheel-to-wheel finishes, hold-your-breath moments. Um, How do we showcase how versatile and wild IndyCar is from a different standpoint? And that's they have to race every single discipline. And they're still the fastest race drivers in the world. I always liked that slogan, the fastest drivers in the world. Yeah, and I think to your point on 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 a few of the topics that we hit, Everybody kind of runs to the safety blanket of, oh, they need a Netflix series. They need something that can be streamed. And, and I get that. But but what a lot of people don't realize is they did that a couple of years ago. Yes, it was only one episode, and they followed Scott Dixon throughout the month of May. Um, I thought they did a really good job at the end of last season following drivers like Connor Daly, Renus VK. I think there was one where they followed Graham Rahal. And it was just kind of a behind-the-scenes access 15- to 20-minute video that, you know, Maybe you do those all year this year, then sell it off to a Netflix or a Hulu or an Amazon. Uh, Marcus Erickson actually did it last year. Um, kind of, I think, honestly, I think his girlfriend just grabbed her iPhone and followed what they did from leaving his house at 8 a.m. And he was eating a burrito that had peanut butter and bananas in it. And he, this is what I eat every morning. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And it answers a lot of questions of like, where do you, you know, where do these guys stay the night before a race, the night before qualifying? So um, I would agree with that. I, I, I love the behind the scenes type stuff. And it, look, it's not going to happen overnight and it's not going to ever be like it was in the 80s and 90s where you had every cigarette sponsorship and every um, beer sponsorship. But but if but if more of the grocery store, like if, if more of the sponsors like High V would take their marketing dollars and their marketing plans and put IndyCar into those plans, I think that would help grow it. I mean, you go to a Speedway gas station and, and you can get cups that have the, the track on it and Views, which I believe is an electronic cigarette. Um, they run a video behind the register at Speedway, I noticed the other day. So just getting some of these brands to incorporate their their drivers and their 
sexy race car that has their name on it into their marketing strategies, I think would help uh, certainly go a long way. Uh, speaking of maybe gaining some knowledge, gaining some um, information from fans, they had that IndyCar survey that ended a couple weeks ago. I know we both took it. Um, there was a lot of things that came from that. One being, you know, what to do with yellow and red flags. I've talked to a few drivers who don't even like red flags at all. I don't want to get into a green-white checkered where the Indianapolis 500 turns into the Indianapolis 515 or 512 and a half. But uh, I think there's a time and place for a red flag. It should be at the discretion of, um, you know, the track workers and the um, a series officials knowing, okay, how long is this going to take? Uh, but I think one thing that can change is instead of having, you know, okay, you got some lapped cars. Okay, so the, the, the lead cars come down the pit road, and then the next lap, the the lap cars go down pit road. They should just come down pit road, save going around one more lap and having to catch up to the back of the field. Just catch up to the back of the field towards the end of that straightaway, and then everybody can pit that's on the lead lap, and then everybody can pit that's a that's a lap down. And instead of having four laps to do it, you're now down to two or three, which doesn't seem like a lot. But at the end of the race, when maybe you only need two or three to finish under green, you would have that. So um, your takeaways on just kind of the yellow red flag situations that honestly, I think this really stems from the end of that 2020 Indy 500. Yeah, I, I remember hearing a lot of uh, I think fans in 2020 were just frustrated in general. <laughs> so that was just like the little the little candle on top of the cupcake there. Um, I think that's a great plan. What you said about Nashville, for instance, that would have taken how many laps of yellow out if they had done that the whole time. Um, also some of these tracks, I think it's a matter of your restart zones and your, and what's acceptable driver behavior on restarts. We've seen a lot of, they say cautions breed cautions, but that doesn't have to mean before you even cross the line going green again, you know, with these drivers and their gamesmanship trying to slow the pack down and get a jump at a certain area, um, maybe getting more strict with that. Um, I agree, though. Definitely your idea about cycling through so that you can eliminate maybe at least one lap, if not two laps of caution. Um, I don't mind. This, this is the NASCAR fan in me. I don't mind a a green white checker or an overtime when it happens in a NASCAR race, I get excited. Me and the boys are hooping and hollering, you know, you get three more laps. It can get out of hand. We saw that. And at a couple of races in NASCAR last year where, uh, <laughs> where the races went so long that, uh, the beer stands started closing up and, uh, you were still sitting in the stands for another hour and a half. Um, at Indy totally agree. If you're going to do anything, I understand why they red flag to try to give the fans uh, some action like we saw in 2021, a race to the finish. But I don't think you should ever go over the time limit, at least not anytime soon. Um, the tough thing is the casual fans that are really your bread and butter that you want to start creating that you don't really have right now. None of them understand that aspect of racing. They're not thinking in terms of going an extra, you know, two and a half, an extra five miles. They're just like, I want entertained. Um, so that's a tough one, but I think keeping the sanctity of Indy and the 500 miles is crucial. Should Indy 500 stick with double points? I think so. Yeah, I absolutely think so. It's 
putting more of a point on that race, on that date on the calendar, saying the entire series stems from this event, from the Indianapolis 500. It's the namesake of the whole series. It's the birthplace of the sport. And it's it, with, with a limited amount of ovals on the schedule and really only one other super speedway, one other flat-out track per se, it's forcing your drivers to have to learn that skill set, which separates IndyCar from all the other open-wheel racing series in the world. You have to master this, or you really don't have a shot at the title. And it's not impossible. Look at Alex Plo last year. I mean, that's two races, or two 500s. He's racing for the win. So with the access that these drivers have to the data, the simulators, adequate time at IMS for practicing and qualifying, getting those laps in, you should be able to put a good race together. Um, I don't think there's really an excuse for it at the elite level that these drivers have. What are what are your thoughts on it, though? I, I know that we kind of talked about this a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I don't mind it. Like you said, look, if you if if you're a champion, you need to be able to perform at the biggest race. It's the only sport in the world that personally, at least in my opinion, winning one race is more important than winning a championship. Uh, and I think I think all the drivers will agree with that. Yeah, you have to be consistent over an entire season to win a championship. But winning the Indianapolis 500 is obviously more important. I don't think Elio is going to trade in one of his 500 wins for a championship uh, with that being said, yeah, double points is fine. I would like to see some points on qualifying day. I think that's a very intense day, uh, two days really, and you want to make it more dramatic for the fans. You know, everybody remembers the '90s and late '80s with the bumping, and and you know Scott Brayton comes to mind in '96 where he runs down with his helmet and and pulls his car out of the field and then requalifies on the pole. Um, you just give a little bit more incentive for those guys that are maybe fifth that are sitting there going right now, oh, we're fifth, we're good, we got a great starting spot, let's not risk it, let's go. But then if you can literally say, all right, well, I can get an extra 20 bonus points by going out and qualifying and trying to make on the front row, then um, maybe that's something that we see happen. So um, as we just mentioned, shout out to some of the sponsors that uh, are incorporating IndyCar into their uh, marketing strategy and people ready is one of those we saw the commercial last year at takuma sada they actually taped that uh, down the road off of mass ave down by the folding warehouse uh, i remember that going on but they are offering a one million dollar bonus uh, for a driver that can win on all three uh, courses an oval a street course and a road course five hundred thousand to the driver and team five hundred thousand to a charity of their choice putting you on the hot seat here luke does anybody get that done this year, and who is your front runner to do it? All three disciplines. Um, oddly enough, I think Johnson actually has a shot at getting an oval, but I don't think he's going to be there. I don't think he's – maybe he can get a top 10 on a road course. Um, I think you're looking at Grosjean. I think he's one of the guys that could get it done. Um He's he's got the the expertise around him now, and like I said earlier, he showed that he's got some prowess and he's got no fear on an oval track like Gateway. I think that's a safe bet. Um, outside of that, uh, nobody else is really jumping out, um, but I do think that's a great deal. Anytime you can have some big promo like that, it kind of takes me back to the 
the noble Winston NASCAR drivers when they start getting uh, the yeah. Diglo numbers on top of the hood, things like that. Uh, Joseph Newgarden comes to mind for me because of a few different scenarios. One, like I've mentioned, that dude is not going to not win at least one race at Iowa, right? Like he has been so good there. He's got two chances to go out and win. I am dead set that that dude is going to win one of the two, maybe both, but one of the two Iowa races. He's been really good at Birmingham. I could see him getting it done at Alabama. Um, and then, you know, you've got the, you've got to, you'd have to win on the street course. You took him, I believe to win St. Pete this weekend. So maybe Saint that's Pete. a win. Uh, you know, you know that he is going to want to come back to Nashville, his hometown and win on a street course there. So, uh, really, I think the tougher of the three is street courses because you only have three opportunities at it, but you have such a small margin uh, of error, right? We know how narrow Nashville is. We learned that the hard way last year. We know how St. Pete can be. Uh, and then you've got Long Beach. So I think Joseph Newgarden is your best chance, um, but Grosjean's a good bet too. We'll just happen to see. I would love to take Colton Herta, but again, he's never won on an oval. So until he can prove to me that he can win on an oval, it's it's hard for me to take him. So I'm going to go with the guy that I know has won on all three disciplines. Um, and then as we sit here and talk about it, we're like, oh, crap. Uh, what about Scott Dixon, right? Like this guy could definitely do it. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see uh, if he can get it done. And based on what about the of him winning. Yeah, uh, you know, but honestly, and, and I'm not taking this away from him. I, I would be shocked if he won on another oval this year. I really would. Mm. He had a good showing and, and at Texas. That's all that. I was saying. Because I did kind of forget yeah, about yeah. I forgot about him until we started talking things over. And I was like, well, he did do a, a bang-up job at Texas. And he got a street course. Mm -hmm. so And he he showed well on uh, some of the road courses. I think he has some speed at Road America. But, yeah, you so, can't ever so count think, out Scott Dixon. So, Dixon, Grosjean, Pato Award, Joseph Newgarden. I think we could all agree is that probably the top four front runners for this. And and to play devil's advocate, a lot of people would say, well, I can't put Grosjean in there because he's one never even won a race and only has one oval under his belt. Uh, so maybe you could intermix a few guys in that, let's say, fourth position Um but I, it's going to be interesting because I, I I surely hope for the sake of IndyCar, the excitement level, and for the promotion that People Ready is putting together that we we get a chance to see a driver maybe have multiple attempts at getting this done. If not, at least seeing a driver or maybe multiple drivers have at least one attempt to get it done. Moving on, uh, I yeah, think we've got to talk about agree. the Indy 5. Let's talk about the Indy 500 entry list a little bit. Um, your thoughts, 32 drivers official right now. Uh, I don't know. Honda is saving a seat for something special. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what that is, um, but it looks like we're, we will get to 33, maybe possibly more. Yeah, that one's a bit of a mystery to me. Um, if if we were a couple months ago, I could have seen it being an NASCAR driver, but at this point, it, I mean, it doesn't look like it's going to be any sort of Hendrick-Larson combination. I think they'd want to put a lot more time in. I'm trying to think of guys that maybe have 
run a couple 500s before. I don't think you're going to see Alpine letting um, letting Alonso come over. Um, that that one is a bit of a mystery. I'm guessing you have a couple leads that I might not have, though. You might have a few uh, <laughs> a few hints out there. Well, a lot of people joked because Mario Andretti mentioned it on a podcast of some sorts that he would love to come and do the Indy 500. I think that the racing that Mario could do, it's more more probably notable that he may be running an SRX race. Um, I think it would be cool if Hinchcliffe got that ride. I mean, I think it's going to be at Andretti regardless of where it is. Um, it, it will be a Honda and more than likely be Andretti. Maybe they put Hinch in there as the driver analyst that they've never kind of had, a, a, you know, somebody that um, they can talk to during yellows. Uh, I don't know if Hinch is the guy. Uh, I like Hinch a lot, but I've also heard that, you know, deep into a 500-mile race, he gets a little on edge. So maybe that would make for good TV. Uh, highly doubt it's Danica Patrick, uh, like people have mentioned. Uh, I, I don't know what they're holding out for. Uh, I don't know what would be a, a huge mystery, a huge surprise to anybody. So uh, I'll be interested to see what happens. I I would imagine that maybe none of that goes through and they end up just calling Steph Wilson, who we know has the money, and they just say, hey, we're going to get we're going to put you in an Andretti car with this engine. Um, we can touch on this a little bit if you like. Indy Lights also starting this weekend on the road to Indy. A lot of those series starting this weekend as well. Um, Ernie Francis Jr. running full-time. Christian Rasmussen moving up. Maddie Brabham returns. Stingray Rob. Uh, if you have any thoughts on Indy Lights starting this this coming weekend, uh, it's always they're always entertaining races. Yeah, I think Ernie Francis is going to surprise some people. I don't know if it's going to be at St. Pete. Uh, that's, that's a pretty tough track to just jump in. Um, but I heard great things from his test at Indy. Um, Stingray Rob, honestly, how can you not root for a guy named Stingray Rob? Uh, <laughs> but Maddie Brabs, I mean, rekindling his, his um, I guess, his drive towards getting an Indy seat again. Uh, he did well when he raced, I believe it was the 2016 Indy 500. Um, somewhere in that arrow kit era with the pure tech sponsorship. Um, most people around the paddock really give him a lot of credit as a good driver who can race any discipline. He's been running the jumpy trucks, Robbie Gordon series for a while. So he's been around the paddock because they do a lot of joint ventures on the street courses with IndyCar. So his name's been around and I think this is the right move. Normally you don't want to go backwards, but I think he's one of those Names one of those faces where everyone knows he didn't really get a legitimate shot in IndyCar. He was kind of thrown into the fray um, with a lot of other rookies. And I think he just got lost in it. And you've got to have a big pocketbook to stay in IndyCar. Maybe he can create some new relationships and some new sponsorships. And uh, Indy Lights is a little bit rejuvenated now, too. You, you have him and obviously Ernie Francis's big news across the board being a trans am driver coming over here so i i'd say look out for those two i wouldn't be surprised if both of them have a win this year yeah and and kudos to maddie brabham because we don't see this that often you know it, it seems like drivers once they get to the 500 or or run a full season of of indycar it's like oh no 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 i would never go back to lights and sometimes I, I agree if you've got, you know, let's say 350000 are you going to run a lights campaign or are you going to go run Indy 500? You're probably going to go run the Indianapolis 500 
Uh, Maddie's a guy that I've actually spotted with on on the road to Indy, so he's still, um, I I think capable as, as you mentioned. He can still get it done in the stadium super trucks. Uh, Christian Rasmussen, who's, who's who's a friend of mine, I, I look forward to seeing what he can do at Andretti. All right, uh, we put this out burnoutsports.com. So if you haven't checked it out, please do. And I know there was a lot of arguing back and forth on, on, on Reddit and some Facebook sites. I put my top 10 power rankings together heading into the 2022 season. And, and, and look, there's no right or wrong answers. We're kind of going off of momentum. We're kind of going off what drivers did last year. Um, so just quickly to run it down, um, a lot of people were like, wait, how can you have this guy in over that guy? Polo. Pato, New Garden, my top three. Herta, Dixon, Erickson. Uh, maybe you can flop Herta and Dixon. Uh, seventh for me is Elio, which a lot of people thought was was high. But look, this guy's coming back full time for the first time in a couple of years. He's off an Indianapolis 500 win. He's off a Rolex 24 win at Daytona. I've got Graham in eighth. And people are like, well, how can you have Graham Rahal over Rossi? Well, Graham had a better year last year. Graham was actually in contention to win races, which – Honestly, I don't remember seeing that, thinking, okay, Rossi's going to win this race. Graham had a chance at Indy, Portland, a couple other tracks as well. Uh, and and Grosjean is in there as well. So I'm sorry, I have Pagano 7th, then I've got Graham 8th, Elio 9th, and Grosjean 10th. Uh, go ahead and give us your top 10 uh, and, and, and kind of some of the pieces that you have that are different than mine. It's so tough because, like you said earlier in the show, there are 15, 16 guys that, if they get started off on the right foot, can have a championship season. So at number one, I've got Newgarden. Um, Team Penske downsized, and he's in his prime. That means you have more resources devoted to the three guys instead of four. Uh, he had the same average finish at 7.3 that last year's champion did in 2021. Um, to me, that speaks volumes. So... He's got a. He had two wins, wins, eight podiums. He's entering his sixth season with Penske. Dixon, number two, never count out the goat. Simple as that. Six-time champion. Uh, three, I have the defending champion, his teammate Pelo. Um, look for a strong Indy again. Three wins last year. Like I said, average finish of about seventh. Herda comes in fourth. Three wins before DNFs. As I said earlier, you. Get rid of those DNFs. That's your series champion last year. So look for the consistency with him. I put award at fifth. I struggled with this. Um, I, I feel like the team McLaren momentum is going to help carry him. I think he kind of wants his name in that discussion of a Formula One C as much as uh, Colton Herta has been. Um, two big wins in 2021. At six, I have Will Power. He's always going to be in my top ten. You you can't get rid of the Angry Bird. You can't shake him that easily. Four podiums and a win last year. Uh, had some really tough luck that brought his average finish down to about almost 13th, about 12.4. Rossi, um, in six years, uh, he's seventh. Rossi at seven. Six years, he's had 25 podiums and seven wins. That's uh, pretty remarkable considering the last two seasons have been winless. But he's got some good partners this year. Uh, he's got a new team, a couple new teammates. Look for him to try to be the number one driver. Um, eighth, I have Grosjean. Like we talked about earlier, uh, people tend to forget his Formula One prowess when he was with Team Lotus in the early teens. 
Uh, strong oval debut despite the finish and two podiums on road courses last year. Renus VK at number nine. Won the Indy GP, second in Detroit. Um, after that injury, he had a, a bicycle injury, if nobody remembers that. Um, I think in your article when you said uh, – when you wrote about his rejuvenation this season, he didn't finish above 16th. Is that correct? Um, so he's got something to prove. And last but not least, at number 10, I have Scott McLaughlin. Um, that second-place finish at Texas Race 1 and the fourth at Gateway – He's just got to put those road courses together and get the car underneath him. But again, part of that Penske downside. So I have all three Penske's in there. And I really am looking for a lot from Dixon and Pelot because Chip Ganassi is the only team last year that had a win for all of their full-time drivers. Um, now you've got an extra full-time driver with Jimmy Johnson and you have Tony Kanaan with his oval prowess. So he's going to be great in the engineering room at Indy. All right, uh, last topic here on the third episode of the IndyCar Show, Burnout Sports, burnoutsports.com, Tony Donahue, Luke Edwards. Uh, the Mario bomb that came out. You know, we talk about Woj bombs in the NBA. Mario Andretti breaks kind of the news that Michael has the funding. Uh, I think Gainbridge has a lot to do with it. It looks like Napa might have a lot to do with it. But more than likely, Formula One racing is in the future for Andretti Autosport. Obviously, Colton Herta is going to be the first name that probably makes that jump uh, Luke, you see it happening. When do you see it happening? And is it more than likely that Colton will be the driver inside of the cockpit of the Andretti Formula One car? Oh, I think Colton's the man. Absolutely. My question is really who's the second driver? Um, I think that he, he's been waiting for his power play for a while. I don't think Mario, with all of his experience, would have even dropped this bomb if it wasn't a sure thing. So I think this is a sure thing. I don't think we're going to see another fizzle out uh, like we did the first round when he was looking at a partnership or buying a team out. Um, it's the perfect time. You know, it, it, it's, it would have been more ideal, I think, a couple of years ago if they would have had two years to develop according to the new regulations. But yeah, I think you're going to see them with Colton Hurd as their number one driver. Um, I don't know. Who do you think is going to be the number two? I could, I know Pato is still kind of wanting to be considered for that second McLaren seat. Um, he was gifted that test and he was fast at the test, but I think he's a McLaren guy. Um, I don't know who else they would bring. Do they bring Grosjean back? That's a real interesting point. You know, I mean, you, you, you talk about, it's been pretty cool in the offseason to see the way that he has adapted to like American living. And, you know, he was driving around in an RV last year. So that's a very interesting point. Um, there'll be more news to share on that, I'm sure, over the coming months uh, or maybe even weeks. So thank you so much for watching. Big weekend coming up. We'll have you covered right here, burnoutsports.com. Uh, make sure to follow us at Burnout Sports, at Burnout Bets as well. Uh, we'll have you covered from the betting side of things as we wave the green flag on the 2022 season down on the streets of St. Petersburg, Florida. Luke, thank you so much for your time. Can't wait to do this again next week. Sounds great. Looking forward to it. And uh, we'll be live on Twitter and all the social media all weekend. So uh, give us a shout out and make sure to follow Burnout Sports. <laughs>